0: All right. Good We are doing now the Tanya of Shabbos and of Sunday, (laughs) within which we are completing Chapter Twenty Four of Tanya. We are discussing that uniquely in our world we have a Jew, and the Jew has this ability to make a free choice, which means he can choose to serve God. He can choose to defy God's will. So continuing along the vein of that thought, our sages say that the idea of sinning is only because a foolish spirit entered into you. Because it's not very rational to sin. You know, this is God's will. You know, he's your creator. You know, he created you. He's watching you. How could you go against it? So this foolishness comes into you this foolishness that convinces you, you don't care about God, this foolishness that convinces you that it doesn't make a difference, it's okay to go against him, and that leads a person to sin. Now, where did our sages come up with this idea from? Well, it's based on a verse where it says, if his wife will turn astray and possibly be engaged in an adulterous relationship, from which we learn this concept of the the foolishness that overtakes a person when they sin. So the author here says that the fact that our sages link this person who's using his free choice, abusing his free choice, under the spirit of folly, and therefore sinning, the fact that our sages link it specifically <clears throat> I learn out this lesson from the adulterous woman it's because an adulterous woman is an example of someone who's very, very light-headed, someone who, was swayed, someone who was persuaded by a man to engage in a relationship which is very destructive on so many levels to herself, to her marriage, the, the consequences, the punishments, the breakdown of morality. God is a very foolish woman that she could be convinced to do this. And yet, Even this woman, who is so foolish, would never have given in to this desire if not for this foolish spirit that covered over her natural love for God. And therefore, if this same foolish woman was confronted by the challenge of serving the idol or giving up her life instead, She will give up her life. This same foolish woman will give up her life because at that moment, if this is a challenge to her core belief in God, then all that power of natural love and fear and belief will come to the surface and she would die rather than serve idols. So here's this woman who's so silly, so lightheaded that she could consent to an adulterous relationship because her relationship with God is so covered over and she's so foolish, naturally, and the spirit of folly entered into her. But if it comes to adultery, not not adultery, if it comes to idolatry, she doesn't give in. She doesn't give in. She's suddenly strong as iron. She's suddenly so strong-minded. She can't be persuaded. Because since this test directly challenges her belief in God, That belief comes to the fore, within which is that enormous love for God and fear of God. In no way is she going to do this to separate from God. So, it doesn't really make sense. To not give in to your desire for adultery is much less painful than to allow your life to be taken away from you, not to serve an idol. But in here, the folly got turned and there it didn't. The spirit of folly was able to seduce her, convince her, it's okay, it's all right, it doesn't really make a difference. It probably tries the same lines for idolatry as it does for adultery. But there, because it's directly challenging her belief in God, the belief is confronted, the belief fights back. And when she's feeling so strongly her belief and love and fear, even this woman who's so foolish to agree to commit adultery Is not going to serve idols, no matter what. She'll die and sanctify God's name instead. And why does she have this strength? Because as we're saying, since this is a core test in belief in God, it's challenging her seminal wisdom, the aspect of her soul belief in God. And therefore, the seminal wisdom wakes up from its slumber. And therefore, the power in the seminal wisdom, belief, love, fear, I'll rise to the fore. I'll fight back. And she's so full of the belief and love and fear of God, no way would she transgress anything. So we have here something very foolish going on. What's very foolishness going on? This woman's committing adultery, but she died rather than separate from God and commit idolatry. What's the foolishness? The foolishness is that every transgression separates you from God. Not just idolatry. Every transgression, not just adultery, things far less. Any and every transgression from the Torah or from the rabbis during the time of transgression, you're cut off from God with every single transgression. So in our head, we make this foolish differentiation and say, oh, this one's serious. This one's even more serious and that one's not so important. That's the spirit of folly that's convincing us that some things aren't so important. Actually, every single transgression is the same idolatry. It's the same defiance of God's authority. It's the same not believing in the absolute oneness of God that you are truly a part of. And therefore, it's idolatry because we're not believing God's oneness, which is a lack of belief in him. And therefore, during the time of that sin, everything is closer to God than you. All the impurities of the world are closer to God than you. The sages say, man should always remember, Yotosh Kedamcha, even the blood-sucking parasite mosquito preceded you in creation. It's it's a humbling thought. Man came last on the scene. But here, the Altaravite takes this concept in terms of when one sins, during the duration of the sin, five seconds or five years, even this yotzis, this blood-sucking parasite mosquito, which symbolizes evil, because it takes and it takes your blood, it takes your vitality, it takes your life, and it doesn't give a thing back, even that is closer to God than the Jew during the time of his sin, during the time of his defiance of God. Even the wild animals—we could say, "Yeah, wild animals—they're—they're—they're they're, what—they're listening to God." They're doing exactly what God wants from them. Only the Jew is capable of defying God. The person could say, I don't know if wild animals always listen to God because didn't God say that fear of man should be on the animals? And yet we see wild animals attack people. So that applies. Okay, sometimes I don't listen to God and sometimes uh, the lions and tigers and bears also don't listen to God. But it says no, they always listen to God. The animals are not going to attack a person who looks like a man. But if the person, unfortunately, now no longer looks like a man, but looks like an animal, he's open to attack. And actually, we see three different levels of relationships. That before the, the perfect saint, the animal will, will prostrate themselves, will subdue themselves. Like uh, Daniel in the lion's den, that all the lions, these voracious lions are bowing to him. Many, many famous stories like great sage Dorachayim that rode on the lion's back, that's great the Sabbath. Before a regular person, a good Jew who looks like a person, but not like a saint, the animals won't attack. That's what God told them. And before a man who has come to the level of looking like an animal, the animal can treat him like an animal and attack. So if an animal attacks an animal, including a man who looks now like an animal, The animal's not going against God's will. The animal can't go against God's will. Only man can. And therefore, only the Jew, who's acting in contradiction to God's will, who's acting in defiance of God's authority, he's further from God than any of these forces.